Today is Thursday, November 2nd, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Welcome, welcome, hear ye, hear ye. The Ask a Christian has gone medieval. Um, is that like a spooky medieval ghost? I don't know. Anyway, so, uh, Chris takes it upon himself to travel back to the Dark Ages, and, uh, that is his persona, or maybe, maybe who he really is now, like an Andy Kaufman thing, you don't know if he's being serious or not, but, uh, anyways, you will hear, uh, oh yeah, I told him the Renaissance fairs were about to start up, and, and that's why he did that, so, uh, prepare for ye old Ask a Christian. Anyway, then we talk about Catholic and Orthodox, uh, refuti- refuti- yeah, refutation day two. Oh, I just need to go back to bed today. Anyway, so a lot of the arguments that, you know, people will make from Catholicism or Orthodoxy based on tradition and things like that, um, you will tell very quickly, we do not hold traditions of men in high regard um, because I think it's caused a huge schism and is a huge problem. And when people were like, well, the Reformation was the problem. That started the schism. It's like, no, that was trying to correct the thing you've done, apostates. Anyway, um, so see, I'm trying to be nice. And it's, oh, it's hard. It's so infuriating. It's like, why can't you just believe the simple words of Christ and call it a day? Anyways, okay, so... Maybe I should read, read my own book again, How to Be Civil About This Stuff. Sometimes it's more civil to be more e- easier. Oh, go to bed. Go back to bed, Nate. It's easier to be more civil with people who are utterly blasphemous than people who, like, you know, try to share your own religion and have very different ways of doing it. Kind of like family members. It's easier to, like, take flack from workers, coworkers, bosses, stuff like that. But then when you get home and your family does something similar, you're ready to bite their head off. Um, so maybe it's a giant family squabble. Anyways, we talk about that. So check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon. Check out the Ask a Christian store. Grab a t-shirt, dog shirt, whatever. Support this podcast having these civil <laughs> civil discussions about Christianity. And we'll see you next time. The good fortune of the day hath brought you to us, Mother Steph. I would totally love to engage in this, but I'm dying. So not today. Like for reals? I think so. I think this is it. Weren't you just getting over something like for the yeah, last week? Yeah, it's constant. It's it's and- just constant. You know, every year we get the letter from CPS that says your child has missed too much school, and it's like, what do you want uh, me to do? These kids are sick all the time. And now Mama Bear's sick. Oh my gosh, I'm so sick. So like sick, like you don't feel well, or sick like exorcist style? Um. I mean, I probably could use an exorcism at this point, huh? but, but I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Steph, your 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 faith is just not strong enough, Steph. I think that's exactly it, and you know, I, I don't know what to do about that. <clears throat> Lo, we shall call upon the Christina Nick of old. She shall heal you by her one eight hundred number and her magic potions. I just started seeing, like, there wasn't near as many Spirit of Halloween costume memes as there was last year, but I'm just now, like, seeing them trickle through, and th- I just didn't see them in time for Halloween. Like, it had the uh, the Bethel Pastor costume, complete with Glory Cloud. Um, glory Cloud? Glory Cloud. Oh, you, you don't know, know like, about the Glory Cloud? Explain thy cloud. Thy Chris. I can't do this forever. Gather round, little ones. I shall tell you the tale of the great glory cloud. 
Lo and behold, at this point in history, Bill Johnson didst have his church, the Church of Bethel in Redding, California, where thousands of the sheep had gathered. And lo, from the ventilation system came a goodly cloud of glitter, and that glitter didst fall upon the congregation, and the congregation did rejoice and experience the glory cloud. Okay, but that... tell me that didn't actually happen, please. So, so was it just people lying and there was no cloud and they said there was, or was it where they were using like ventilators and like smoke machines to actually make some sort of hazy cloud? And lo, there was a hazy cloud upon the people of Bethel wrought by actual glitter purchased by the said church. <laughs> From like a spirit of was... Halloween store. That was stashed inside of the somewhat interesting device of a ventilation system unknown to us today. Not a lot but, of medieval speak for that. Yeah. In the, in the future, there shall be <coughs> winds of God that blow cold air upon great groups of people. And in these winds was placed the magical glitter of the Bethel glory cloud. Otherwise known as HVAC. <laughs> okay, can you explain to me why Chris is doing this? Because I told him good morrow when he joined, and he hasn't stopped. <laughs> Excellent. This is my new favorite. <laughs> good morrow, Adam of Winston. Sean of the Apostles, how art thou? No Welcome to our Ren Fair, Apostle Sean. Yeah, I told him this is a time where the Renaissance Fairs are starting, so I guess we've just decided to kind of make our own. And lo, the Stephanie ditched half the Black Plague. <laughs> and was not doing all of the things to balance her humors uh, and... and cast out the Black Plague demons from within. She needed thou's help. You're going to make her, like, break a rib or something. I know. I have. You have to stop making me laugh like that. It hurts so much. <laughs> Ooh. Thou bobbest of... I don't know. You want to play this game, Bob? <laughs> uh, I'm a little bit too old for it. Thank you. <laughs> Behold, an outsider. Oh, boy, I don't know. <clears throat> and lo, Victoria did post in the chat an inexplicable article about ye glory cloud actually praising it as a real phenomenon in a non-Christian church. I had a friend that I grew up with in Missouri, and he, he like always like wanted to be a pastor. He you know, felt like that was his goal or his mission in life to be a pastor. <clears throat> so anyways, he found out this like Bethel, like pastoral discipleship, college before like anyone 
at least around me, knew what Bethel was. It was just like, you know, getting kind of popular and some of the music and stuff like that, I guess, was just starting or we just heard of it. Anyway, so he like went to this like year long, um, like retreat camp thing there. And uh, yeah, now I guess he's a pastor somewhere in Arkansas. But I don't know if he's come around with the whole Bethel thing. I haven't talked to him in years, but he was all about it for a while. That's all I know. That's all I got. I lived 90 miles from there. If that no, that, that counts for anything. live a fortnight from the Bethel <laughs> Redding? Across thy mount, thy uh, man, I can't do this. I want to do it, but I can't. You, you do realize a fortnight is two weeks, ten. right, Chris? It's ten, 10 days, right? It, like, well, yeah, just over two weeks. Tis, tis, tis <clears throat> but a couple of weeks, however, in our ox carton. <laughs> existence it would take approximately two weeks to make it the full 90 miles I with, with without provisions why are we talking in king james did he say ox carton <laughs> <laughs> yes. i was just over the mountain range from reading from, from oh, reading no. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I feel like I need to get my Bible, my King James Version Bible off the shelf for reference to understand exactly what Chris is speaking and saying. And tomorrow we're gonna talk in Hawaiian pigeon. Oh, I can't do that. That's that'll get you canceled real fast. <laughs> and lo, the cancel culture did come for Nate. And Nate resisted them mightily, however, Nate at the end fell like the leaves of grass upon the ground. <laughs> Chris, do you have a new mic? This is like perfect. <laughs> Nay, my dearest friend that is perishing of the plague, you shall hear this mic uh. until your day of glory comes. But it is a new mic. It is an... an ingenious device given to me by the jobs of Steve. An <laughs> iPhone 15, I believe, is what they had called it at the store. Wait, a what? You mean, you mean the, like, the, uh, crap, the, the apothecaries for medicine. What's the thing I'm thinking of um, for, like, medieval inventions? Um... Ye old blacksmith does forge things in our camp. <laughs> I can't wait till someone comes to debate theology. I hope it doesn't stop. Oh my gosh, if we can get Good that Israelite again today, just just talk like that. Be like, what are you talking about? Like, he sounds normal to me. Like, no, why do you think he sounds weird? Like, th this is normal. Like, are you saying that because so, he's... Like... So, Nate, I gotta tell you this, because it, it'll, it'll really bless your heart. Um, there's a... Um, I don't really know. I don't really know what to call it, but basically, it's a town that a school, a college rather, has has created, and it's been open for years, years, um, in Indianapolis. And when you go into that town, um, everybody's in costume of that time period, and they're speaking the language of that time period and they act as though it's that time and there's a blacksmith there's a baker seriously yeah yeah and stuff and it's the same stuff that chris is doing 
Ask a Christian is about to relocate right now. Yeah, it's called um, Connor Prairie. You can look it up online, and it's like they have the houses set up and everything, and you can like uh, go there, and you can actually you can actually spend the night there in that town and um, live like they lived, and and talk like uh, the people talked of of that time period, and. Most of the time, it's around the time of like the Civil War and stuff like that. So you got everybody oh. saying like it's like Abraham Lincoln and stuff like that. But that's what it reminds me of. What nah. Chris? Chris is you saying. Had, you, you had me up until the Civil War. Like I don't, I don't like that time period. I, I like like Black Black Flag time period. <laughs> Except you know a little before, a little after, give or take. No, and the des- denizens of the city, the good city of Salem do have same cosplay at greater and greater quality. And why does Chris's British voice sound like, um, what's his name? Uh, Dinkley. It's like Ryan Dinkley, the actor. I think it's, it's Dinkley. Um, I don't know who that is. He's, um, he's a, he's the guy. So if you ever watch, Game of Thrones, um, he's like the one good. Um, well, he's there's never mind. Uh, it, Chronicles of Narnia, right? Prince Caspian, he's like the dear little friend. <clears throat> I don't. Who was he in Game of Thrones? Oh, what is it? It's Dinklage, I think. Oh, that, uh, Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage, Dinklage. The hand. I'm like, it's not Ryan Dinkley. It's Peter Dinklage. There we go. Chris sounds like his his like British voice sounds like Peter Dinklage. Like, I drink and I know things. And Marquise doth bring up the little man Peter, and all rejoiced for he is well respected amongst our. Was people. a wee man, not unlike Zacchaeus. A wee man Zacchaeus was. A wee little man was he. He climbed up on sycamore tree. Or the Lord he wanted to see. Who knows that song? I have heard it in some more modern churches. More modern churches? <laughs> that's, I was going to say, that's not no modern churches. What are you talking about? That's it's like that's, the most archaic thing I know. Theme song. Like, that's my theme song. I, w- I was that tall. I was that key. in every play. Says a reptilian. Yeah, Lo, any church past 1730 in the year of our Lord is modern. Oh, modern, because, yeah, that's why. <laughs> Chris is, is staying in character really well. This is where we broke Chris. He's done so much, like, research in, like, that time period that he's just, like, brain broke and he's going to stay there. Lo, I have been reading the John Owen of late. <laughs> While his PTR says uh, has a Futurama character. <laughs> Before long, he's going to be talking about how we need to overthrow the king for religious freedom. Like, what, what king? <laughs> there is an evil king in the land, but he is but senile and cannot tell which oh, day my it goodness. is. I'm crying. He shall be brought low in the next election. 
Yeah, it's going to be terrible when the Calvinist finds out Jesus wasn't God and the Trinitarians we made it almost 20 minutes. were wrong forever. <laughs> almost 20 but minutes. now Bob. I want to oh, see boy. Chris go after Bob in this same persona. In ye old English, Chris. And lo, the Lord did smite him with great smiting. And all of the curses of the book were upon Bob. And Bob did not find a mountain to fall upon him. And lo, all of the curses... All of the curses came upon his head and came upon his feet and came upon his hindquarters and came upon his eyes and came upon his hands. <laughs> That's Yay, so Bob. You know, you know these curses are true. Do you believe in the Lord now? Look in the mirror. Oh, wait, that's just your face. <laughs> Sorry, just kidding. Yeah, that was a good one. But uh, evidently, he has funny. never had anyone, you know, preached the gospel by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, because if he had, he would know better than that foolish Calvinist stuff, you know. Which is why I have changed my PTR to be, become the robot. I have embraced the robot and will never turn back. All of us oh, are robots. Yeah. Bender is pretty it. accurate. You, have a, you, you are a Bender-like personality pretty fitting i only know of robots i do not know of this bender from which you speak what that's who your ptr is that's bender do you do you guys not she doesn't get it chris she doesn't get it i believe the light of gas is being put upon me oh he's still luther okay <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know just loser <clears throat> that's so funny steph and lo, this running water is coming from a faucet, and I must answer its beckoning call. He's going to get in the shower while he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nate, just so you know, that is um, middle modern English. It is not old English. So, you know. That's true. Can you, get, can you, can you give English. us an example of all the Englishes you know? Uh, no. Well, an example of all the English. Look, old English is like german it's it's indecipherable it's well, not so like if someone spoke old english you're saying like the, like we would just have no idea what they're saying like yes. we even understand the words yes have you heard beowulf read out loud that's old english yeah i was gonna uh, say that's, that's a perfect example wait I, I don't remember beowulf so i, I so i mean like <clears throat> pardon me it would just be so foreign that we would we would recognize the words like ye, no, thy, though, or not, we would not no. even recognize the words. No, okay, it so sounds like German, German to me. Yeah. Okay, so even though it's called English, it is really not what we would call English today by any sense. Yeah, not even close. Yeah. Okay, so then the closest thing to that that we the oldest thing to that that we would understand is this what you said middle whatever English. Yeah. Well, what what Chris is doing is middle modern English. What Shakespeare did. I was gonna say middle like modern. Middle. Yeah. Yeah. What Shakespeare did was what? More like Middle English. Okay, so when we're talking about that stuff, it's all similar, but maybe slight differences. Uh, well, I mean, Chris is more understandable than Shakespeare. <clears throat> right. But all of this is more understandable than King James. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. To that, I agree. Hey, Joanna, what's up? Fair maiden, or something like that. I yeah. feel like I should say wench. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
straight the opposite direction. Oh, <clears throat> What's up, Joanna? Fetch me a cold ale, uh, wench. Okay. I, I am dead. Huh? I'm sorry. Carry on, Joanna. That was amazing. Oh. Call the cart. I have, another little, one. I have a tiny theatrical background mother forced me to go into. Um, the lovely Elizabeth in the Bible, not often spoke of. I put a link in the chat. Um, Elizabeth was the cousin. Um, okay. I'm just going to read the paragraph. Most everything we know about Elizabeth comes from the Gospel of Luke. Elizabeth was married to Zechariah, who was a priest in the temple of Jerusalem. Lastly, she is the cousin of Mary. Uh, I never heard about her till last night. Does anyone know anything about her? John the Baptist's That's mom. John the right? Baptist's mom. Also, the uh, actors you worked in, in the prophetic as well, as you, if you would look at it. And uh, she was filled with the Holy Spirit in her womb. When the baby Jesus, still, still not born yet, came and John the Baptist leaped in his mother's womb and she was filled with the Holy Spirit and she began to prophesy. Yeah, but you can't blame that on Jesus. <laughs> Here we go again. Uh, Sean, your your mic. Apostle, Apostle Marquis, don't rebuke me for what I'm about to sing. Here we go. We're going through the same thing. Here we go again. Sean, there's a lot of staticky feedback. It's killing me. Right, but yeah, Joanna. Yeah, that's your. Uh, there you go. Okay. Um, so I'm afraid to say this, but mm, why was it? Okay. If King Herod set out to decree to kill all the children born at the time, why? I wonder why he, this baby, John, was not killed. Because it says that they lived in Jerusalem. The, Zachariah was the priest of J Jerusalem. Maybe they tagged along to Egypt with them. Who knows? Chris, do you have an answer from the Bible? I don't immediately recall. Uh, Elizabeth lived in Judea, so that was close to Samaria. Thank you. No, and the Victoria is correct. The slaughter <laughs> happened in the great city of Bethlehem and not in Jerusalem. She didn't say it in character, though. You gotta say it in character. <laughs> Try again, Victoria. Uh... She doth live. <laughs> she doth. She doth liveth, doth liveth, and not the area. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I hope this goes forever. Lastly, the, so the babies were only killed in, in Nazareth or Bethlehem? I'll look into it. Beth Bethlehem. Actually, sorry, Jerusalem. The babies were killed in Jerusalem. Also, John was older, right? Maybe he'd made the cutoff because we don't know when in those two years that the decree went out, right? 
Jesus could have been two and John could have been two and a half. So No, they were pregnant together, Mary and Elizabeth. Two and two and a half, okay? Listen. If... Right, so he's six months older. He's six months <laughs> yeah. older. Yeah, yeah. So um, he would have been born okay. earlier. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Yep. Don't you think everyone who tried that, they would be like, how old's your baby? If he's under two, he has to die. Be like, oh, uh, two in a day. Two in a day. He's good. He's good. I mean, I don't know why more people didn't run the heck away. I mean, well, I guess they didn't know, right? It was like. Just like surprise. Yeah. Here we are. How old's your baby? 45. It's a Benjamin button. Perfect. Yeah, because also like when uh, King Herod was decreeing it, he was he was in an angry position because the uh, the guys uh, lied to him. The three kings <laughs> like, and the yeah. yeah they didn't lie to him. They just didn't obey him. No, they lied. They were like, uh, "Yeah, we'll get back to you on that," and then they peaced out. Good morrow, Mal of the Dick. Well, I guess they could have lied to him then. How are you, Malik? You showed up yesterday and just uh, drove by without saying hi. <laughs> yeah, I was traveling. <clears throat> I was traveling on the road. I am in by carriage road. or covered wagon. Uh, by by um by Uber. No, uh, no. I was with a bunch of, bunch of friends. We were um well not well friends. Yeah. Um, we were. Uh, I'm in Mexico right now. I am in lovely Mexico. Oh, like near the border, or um, on the Mexican side. What are you doing there? Tequila and shooting guns, or <laughs> no? Is this I'm visiting, <laughs> visiting churches. Yeah, I'm, I'm deeply offended. I, I am <laughs> so offended. I was thinking that's why, like, that's what us. Um... You as a cis white male should know. <laughs> oh, what's what's the word? Gringos. I was thinking, uh, I was thinking of us oh, gringos dear. who go there for those reasons. You know, Listen, someone, said, uh, someone recently said should... that uh, calling, calling someone a uh, cis male is a heterosexual slur. I think I'm going to adopt that and go with it. Yeah, because it's cis kind of sounds like, you know, if we do the word association fallacy that the Hebrew Israelites do, uh, then cis, <laughs> cis kind of sounds like cyst. So it makes it seem like like I'm a unnecessary growth of society, you know, like a sore to like their social agenda. So that's what that's how I'm taking it. They're calling like the me type a of cyst. Boi- like the type of boils that Bob is afflicted with? Because uh, of the Jeff, what were you saying? <laughs> upon yes. his head. And upon his feet, and upon his face, and upon his hands. Chris, you're, you're a clown, my guy. <laughs> uh, what, what were you saying, Steph? I think that Chris should continue today as Martin Luther, and Malak should be the offended Wokey. That would make for an interesting day. Did you just Chris, say Martin uh, Luther uh, and offended give... Wokey? An offended Wokey. <clears throat> you just think everyone who talks like that is Martin Luther? Chris, you want to give Malik a, I thought he, a taste he, of what he's in store? Listen, when I first came in, he was describing how he had nailed his 95 theses, so I was assuming he was Luther. And then he said anything after 1750 was too modern. So, Oh, I, I, thought, we've, I, thought, I thought we've... Um, wow, I cannot think of words. I, I thought we've um, evolved. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Mr. Luther, are you there? Or Renaissance Man, or whoever? And lo, the... Running waters from the heavens 
had ceased inside of the small box in this room of bath. And I was similarly unleashed upon the world once again, now clean and full of soap. <laughs> I forgot he was in the shower. <laughs> Oh, my rib cage hurts. Your turn, Malik. Sprechle Deutsch? No. Sprechle ein bisschen Deutsch? Ja. Order a pork chop. That reminds me. I better get some of this sausage out of the grill. And lo, Bob did bring low the bratwurst of old. He put it on the grill, but the grill would not light. Instead, the great prophet of Elijah came, and he called down fire from the Lord, and he lit the bratwurst of Bob. And then... <laughs> the bobwurst. The bobwurst was burnt to a crisp as an offering to Yahweh. Yah, Yahweh. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and then, lo, did we fall upon Bob and his 400 disciples. And the children of Israel did maim and kill them till the night ended. Out of the whole world, there was, yea, only 400. It did not happen as thou sayest. It what? cooked very well in the air fryer grill. It's done to a tea. Mm-mm. Good. <laughs> That was Southern Old English. <laughs> it was perfect. Southern, no, you got to say Southern. Southern Old English. Udo, welcome again. How are Hello, you? Hello, didst I hear the, the mal of ick? Perhaps, Stephanie, you should have the source of your current dilemma. The ick is the sickness and the mal is the evil. You should look deep within yourself to find if the mal of evil has come upon you and the pox on your house. Yes, kindly, verily, send leeches mine way, for I fear I shall not make it to the morrow. Oh, he took a cough. What's up, I hope he accidentally answers the phone in that same voice. Glorious. Uh, Udo, if you're trying to speak... Oh, there you are. Yeah, what's up? So, hello, guys. Hello. Uh, yeah. First, I wanted to say thank you to all of, because of the talk yesterday. It helped me very well. Um, yeah. I just wanted to come up because um, about Catholicism and Orthodox Church, there are still questions open for me. And is it okay for you if we um, examine them? I, I don't want to create undue stress for our Catholic friend, Victoria. <laughs> but if she's good, we're good. And yeah, I hope, I, ho I hope we get Chris like stuck in that voice. So like, Every time he gets a phone call, he just, like, forgets to switch <laughs> and answers it that way. That'd be great. Maybe you could add, well, 
Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, what's I up, Udo? Oh, yeah, go, go ahead, ahead, Udo. Yeah, you can go ahead. Uh, you were speaking at the same time. Yeah, go ahead, Udo. So, um, should I bring my point? My point. Sure. Points okay. or questions? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For example, um, Catholics and Orthodox people often come up with First uh, Timothy three fifteen that the Church is pillar and ground of truth and so on. Um, so, how would you interpret that, and how would you refute the this interpretation of uh, Catholics and Orthodox? Steph, somewhere between, I know you're dying and you need your rest, and also you probably will have the most kind and gentle answer of refutation. Um, would you like to answer that? Could, could you reword the question real quick? What was it? Um, it was on how you would interpret First Timothy 3.15. How a Protestant would interpret First Timothy 3? How we would uh, refute the Catholic uh, or Orthodox interpretation of that, because they, with this verse, they justify the um, authority of the church. That so they say because of this verse, it's a uh, re relevant what the church tradition says or what the church fathers uh, were in con consensus about. Okay. Um, so, First Timothy three fifteen, you said. Yeah. Um. Huh. <clears throat> okay. I'm gonna back up to twelve, which is okay. So, First Timothy three is the qualifications for leadership in the church, right? These are governmental instructions. So, twelve is where it's saying, "Let deacons be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their household well." For those who serve well as deacons, gain a good understanding for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is Jesus Christ. I hope to come to you soon. This is the, you know, okay. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that 15, if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on, the, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. So, is the... I don't see that there's anything there to refute. What's, what's the part that you would think needs arguing against? Yeah, because Catholics and Orthodox say, um, here in this verse says that the church is... Pillar and ground of truth, and so the church has um, authority, and so also the um, church traditions have, have authority, and because of this, it's also relevant what the church fathers were in consensus about. So I, I would I would say what truth what truth is Paul talking about when you when you read that he's not saying. You know, the church is, is the pillar of math, or the church is a pillar of, you know, of all the, you know, astrology. Um, it's saying a specific truth, and then it gives you the truth. 
Well, Malak, you know, the, the problem is, and because I've been talking to some Eastern Orthodox as of late, very interesting. Um, they, I've kind of, as of late, I said, oh, man, is I've realized that it's kind of like, oh, y'all are like Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses a little bit. Um, they Everywhere where they see church there, they believe that's exclusively nobody but them. Um, so everywhere they believe like if if it's not their 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 particular tradition and they're the only ones that ha- and and so it's kind of like and which is really interesting because everybody focuses on the catholics but there's kind of a cult like a just a really 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 old cult uh brandon cube back away from your mic a little bit you're like kind of popping into it oh i'm sorry i'm, I'm but, saying like it's but, it's but kind even, of like, even, it's even kind of just like a really old cult even if that's true, Brandon, even if that's true, let's let's say it is. Let's let's say it's called it's a, a specific church X. It, it's it's Church of the you know Church of the you know I don't know the four legged men. It's still saying they're the guardians of a specific truth. It's not saying that they have you know. It's talking about a truth, and Paul's explaining that truth. You want to try to read you one more time, Steph? Yeah, because that's exactly what I'm seeing. So I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. So we have a definition for what what the church in this verse is, right? How you ought to behave in the household of God. That's the church. A pillar and buttress, a support. Of the truth, like pillar and buttress is not the structure itself; it's what's holding the roof up, right? <clears throat> so, yeah. So, so if we look at the church as a body of believers that is delivering a truth, this isn't a specifically Catholic verse. Like, this isn't the Catholics would interpret this differently because in the Catholic Church, the uh, church is an actual like the church is the continuation of Christ on earth, right? This is the church has authority. To interpret because the church is in a way the continuation of Christ so the Protestant would say the church is a gathering of people um, so the Catholic is going to draw from this verse that as the continuation of Christ they are the only guardians of the truth the Protestant is going to pull away from this verse that wherever believers gather and spread the gospel they're doing what this verse has instructed them to do <clears throat> so I don't know that there's anything to refute it's just a matter of interpretation well, and also keep in mind that it's it's like they're, you know, if you're talking about after this was written, you're like reverse engineering it. So when, um, you know, Paul says like, you know, I've wrote you these things. So then to say, see, we're using this to justify, you know, everything that we're going to say the church says 2000 years in the future. That's like a huge reverse engineering it and like trying to make it say something it didn't. So like. Paul says he has written these things so he knows that, you know, the church is the truth and everything like that. So if you want to know what the church is being truthful about, it's the stuff Paul has told them to be truthful about. To then say, well, that's justification for the church being true about everything it's going to say going forward. That's just an extrapolation again. So, like, for example, if, you know, the church said, okay, uh, you know, Jesus is great, but now we're all going to worship Lucifer, the true God. Um, everyone would be like, oh, that church is not telling the truth. Oh, gosh darn it. Uh, Udo, you got to mute. You just a lot of feedback. 
and Victoria left again. Like, I'm trying to handle this with kid gloves, and I always say something that makes her leave. And I wasn't talking about the Catholic Church. I was talking about... And I wasn't either. I just... I was. I, was I mean, I wasn't Eastern, even... A, Eastern I Orthodoxy. Mean, yeah, I, I knew you were, and I wasn't even accusing the Catholic Church of Satanism. I mean, yet. Um, so I figured that was a safe one. But seriously, like, if the church said, now everyone's going to worship Satan, this is the true church, everyone would be like, no, no, that, you're not the true church. Like, no, obviously not everything you say is correct because you're trying to worship the devil. Um, anyways, maybe I need a class in, in harmony yeah. and harmonious but, speech. But I'm saying that the, the verse is not saying that they have authority. I agree. The verse is not saying that they have, you know, none of that stuff. The verse is just saying that they are transmitting a specific truth. Yeah, the one Paul gave them, not invented stuff after that. Yeah. Yeah. All that that Calvinist stuff been invented after that, you know. But the cal the but even if one like want to make that a the Calvinism, that whole conversation comes from like the Western side of the the, the conversation, the the Eastern side like and I guess this is what I've been talking to as of late like, what makes it so difficult when talking to them, like even, at least when talking with a Catholic, they will t- at least like engage the Scripture with you. Like with Eastern Orthodoxy, the, the thing that's so frustrating when with talking with them is like you can't even really engage because like first thing they'll say, well, where you get the scripture from? Where you get the scripture from? I'm like, well, God, no, you got it from us. So you're God. No. So you didn't give it to us. No, no, you, you got it from us. So you're God. No, but you got it from us. No. So you're God. No, but you got it from us. like, oh, my God. I mean, it's very frustrating because they, it's like this, it's like, it's real deal. Like, and I was talking to him, I'm like, you know, you really sound like the Watchtower right now. Like, they're the only ones that can give you the right understanding. Like, it's like, it's it's like I say, it's like, you know, like when you're talking to a Jehovah's Witness and like they have to have their Watchtower magazine to understand, is there can't, it's like, just like a really, really old watchtower. With only thing difference is like it's their cannons and the they they use the church fathers like the Jehovah's Witnesses use the watchtower. I promise you that is exactly what it's like talking to them. Uh, Udo, did that answer your question? Yeah, some points it um tell me if it's um yeah. At this aspect, it's, it's also the point if you um, consider the church as a as a as a institution or as a as a um, as a spiritual thing. Um, I don't know how to say this in English. You know, I'm from Germany. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like the it's kind of like the rigid Pharisaical thinking, like you know that's like been brought into Catholicism with like like the rigidity. You got to mute again, Udo. With their rigidity and like superstructure, versus you know it's like the body of Christ is anyone who believes and follows Jesus. You don't need a rigid structure and like dudes in robes to come find you so you can be part of the body of Christ. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You are part of the body of Christ, no matter which corner of the earth you live in. So it's a global body, um, not 
you know, in the rigid structures of a man-made, you know, man-made building and organization. Okay. Also know that, also know, Udo, that um, the the church has, the church has still and hasn't unfallibly decided what that verse means. So, so even, even the church is saying they give you, they're giving you their opinion. Because even if, like the Catholic Church, because when you ask them, you know, you ask them, so is is this the the unfallible interpretation of this verse? They won't give it to you. Okay. Anything else? Yeah, I have uh, also now some points, and I hope it's okay for you if we go through them all. It's, is it okay for you, or does it uh, take too much unnecessary time? Well, you see what happens when no one else has questions, so <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, the next question is, um, if we don't have an infallible authority who says what the canon is, um, how can we know that, for example, the Shepherd of Hermas or the first uh, letter of of Clement um, is not a uh, word of God. Well, first of all, who decides infallible authority? Like that's the same as I, I just decide that I have infallible authority or account, got to mute again, or like a council of other guys uh, decide that we have infallible authority. Udo, you have to mute when you're not talking. There's tons of feedback coming through. Um, so let's say that, first of all, who gives them infallible authority? Like, do you just take their word like that they have infallible authority? Because um, I'll do that. Uh, I mean, I won't because I don't want to get struck by lightning. But other people could do that. You could just say, well, I have infallible authority. That's why it's infallible. Uh, but I mean, you know, like we talked about yesterday, if you're a believer in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit of God living with you, guiding you himself. You don't need a whole lot of guidance from men. I mean, you know, discipleship and stuff like that's good. But I mean, for, for your connection to God, you don't need man's guidance. You have God living with you. So read the Shepherd of Hermes. I, I've read it. Um, I didn't find anything about salvation. Um, you know, I didn't. I, I, there was a couple of points. I don't remember them now, but I remember thinking, eh, it was fine. But I mean, you know, there's nothing that gets me necessarily closer to God or I feel divinely inspired. Um, so that's what I'd say. Like, you know, read Esdras. Like, uh, if true... It makes some pretty good case. Uh, Ezra 1, I think, is supposed to be before, you know, like Old Testament times. So, I mean, if that's true, that makes a really good case from the Old Testament uh, that, you know, Jesus was alive and well. Um, but who knows if it's true? Um, you know, the extra chapter of Esther, um, that has nothing to do with salvation. Maccabees, that's only got a couple of points of doctrine that Catholics take from it, which I think are wrong because they basically like one verse that no others testify to. So, I mean, I mean, that's my, that's my answer. Like read everything. It's not like you can only read the books they tell you to read. I mean, they may say that, but I mean, read everything in question, read the Gnostic gospels. Um, and if you're a believer in Christ, I think you're really going to see quick how, wow, this is not like the other stuff. There's no way this could be inspired. Um, by God, that, I mean, that's my answer. Just read it all. L yeah. Like, let us know, like you'll, you'll see quickly where the differences are. Uh, yeah, was it Malik or who was? No, that was me. I, I was going to respond. How do you respond? They said, at least some of them did with Dill. They say, well, it's, it sounds like Nate, like 
it sounds like you don't you don't believe Christ's promise when he said, Upon this rock I I'll build my church. Like like you 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 don't believe Christ when he said that hit the gate against this rock, the gates of hell wouldn't prevail. You you don't believe that his church was is gonna prevail. Or I believe it too much. <laughs> I, I believe it so much that first of all, uh define rock is as everyone sure that means Peter, a lot of people would contest that. But let's say this is another extrapolation. <laughs> Like, like, this is the word of the day. So I believe on this rock, he will build his church. So uh, whatever the rock is, it doesn't matter for this. You can say Peter. You can say, you know, it's him. Like, whatever that rock is, the point I'm making for this, we could talk about the other stuff, what the rock is. But even if they want to say it's Peter and Peter is the first pope, therefore the church was built on him, uh, that in no way means it's a successive thing. If Peter was the guy that the church is built on, which there's lots of contention, but let's just say it is. If Peter was the guy, the first pope, then that's the only pope. There's nothing that would indicate that you need to keep the popes going. You need to keep a line of succession going. You need to make a diplomatical like bureaucracy out of it. Like if Jesus did build his church on Peter, great, it's done. He built it on Peter, it's done. All you need to do is the same stuff Peter said. So the stuff you know in Acts, uh, you know Peter, like the Bible, the New Testament. All the stuff, you know, Peter reiterates about the gospel and how to be saved. Great. The church was built totally on the first and only Pope, Peter. So just do what Peter said. Like, there is no way, even from their own, even from their own explanation, that you would get from that. Now, on this, uh, this rock, I build my church. And then all the other little rocks, because the first rock wasn't good enough, so we have to keep a succession of rocks going. Like, by, by their own explanation, it's full of holes. Dog it, Nate. You you can fold you can fold my apostolic succession. Dog it. <laughs> what? You folded my apostolic succession. Dog it. <laughs> but Nate, yeah, but Nate, when? For what? Sorry. Yeah, I, I just want to know when when did Jesus get to be alive and well? Can you tell me? Forever, always. Um, Udo, what were you saying? Yeah, um, I just here wanted to ask, um, then for what reasons um, would you um, deny the shepherd of Hermes and the first lament as word of God, whereas while you recognize other books, for example, the book of Revelation and the letter to the Hebrews as word of God? On which um, criteria would you acknowledge the up the these books and reject the others. So, so I, I think we have to, we have to, there's something that's being missed. Um, so, the, the, a, a question I would ask is because I go back to the same question I talked about in interpretation. Has the church unfathomably decided what the canon should be? Is, is that an infallible decision? It's not because they don't even believe that the Bible itself is infallible, and so and and, and that's 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 what you have to learn. In other words, can the church today decide that the canon is, is wrong? Yes. Can the church have to? I mean, can the Roman Catholic Church today? They can do that because it's not an infallible decision. So if it's not an infallible decision, then you know. Is it just because they've got you know they got the Hutzpah to say uh, we, we believe on twenty seven books of the New Testament? You know, 
We're just saying it is, and that's all we have. So I think e- even if we say that that these Catholic men, these 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 Catholic men came together, and they somehow battled and fought and argued about what should be the the New Testament canon, I think we believe more that the Holy Spirit was involved because we'll hold to those twenty seven books. Well, the Catholic Church is not guaranteed to do that because it's not infallible. Like that decision is not infallible. Okay, so you say the decisions in the Catholic Church for the canon are not were not infallible. That's what I'm saying. So in other words, so are are, are we? At, that's why I asked. I I would ask a Roman Catholic. You mean they you say mean, that even even they themselves? Yes. Yeah, I ask him to either show me an infallible, an, an infallible interpretation of the text. Show, show me an infa- you know, show me, show me where the Pope has decreed. The Pope has said, you know, uh, from the chair, as they say, that this is what it is, because that would be infallible. Because the Pope right now can say, yeah, the Pope right now can say, you know what, we found 50 more books. You know, the, 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 New, the, the New Testament canon is 82 books. He can say that. He has that authority. Then if he has that authority, how is that infallible? Okay, and how would you refute an Eastern Orthodox at this point who doesn't believe in papacy? So, uh, 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 who doesn't you, believe in papacy? Well, then I would agree. I would agree with him that it's it's the Holy Spirit. Well, that, would have to agree that it's the Holy Spirit. That's the point, Malaga. I was saying, like, they're a whole another monster to like when you're talking with them. That's why I was saying, like, I would much rather engage with a person who had who, a Catholic view because, in my experience, a Catholic has a much higher view of Scripture than East, Eastern Orthodoxy. Eastern Orthodoxy. Eastern Orthodoxy does not have a high view of scripture. I don't care how much of it they have in their liturgy. They don't really care what the Bible says um, because you can quote scripture. First, they're going to say, well, this is what church father said, and this is that, and you don't have the authority to turn. Like the Bible can literally say it's raining outside. The church father said that's snow, so I don't care what it says. <laughs> like I, I have, it, it it is. I was talking with it, and it, it, it shocked me. It's kind of like, really, you really don't care what the like. You really don't believe what the Bible says. Like they will quote, they will quote everything but the Bible. And I have realized that they are, they are true traditionalists. Now the Catholic Church has a strong view. A strong, they have a contemporaneous view of tradition with Scripture. I think they are kind of par for par with it. But they hold, they have a high regard to scripture. But I, I believe the Eastern Orthodoxy has a low regard of scripture, in my experience with them. But see, but, but the Eastern churches are not a monolith. Which one of the fourteen churches are you talking about when you talk about the Eastern churches? I'm, I'm like, I'm talking about like. Um, no, 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 no. I, I get it. But that's that's my argument. Which one of the fourteen churches? Because even the fourteen churches don't agree. If the fourteen churches have authority to decide anything within the church, why aren't the fourteen churches the same? Well, well we have from, 14. from them, they, well, they, they, they're the same on the things that are important. Like they have a patriarch, they have a apostolic secession, however they prove that nonsense. 
Um, they they uh they have the Eucharist of, of whatever form it is. They um they have some and, and even that like whatever they define as important that's very vague. It's it's not even like it's not like clearly defined. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The, the, the very fact that they're vague and it's not clear. This is again why we have 14 churches. So which one of those 14 churches has authority to do all these things? Like, like the 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 authority fall on the on a on a non on a, a non physical church, and now it's mystical because again the argument is that a physical church has the authority. So which one of the 14 physical churches? And we're talking about only only Eastern Eastern or Eastern churches. Well, if there's one church, they can't be fourteen. Well, the, the apostolic churches, the, the, the churches that have apostolic succession are the true churches. But the, I, I would tell you this, like in talking to the Easter, like I have heard statements like they are the only ones that are, have the, the true succession. Uh, that if you're not, uh, this one I'm told me, the other day said like, if you do not have uh, a part of their particular group, you're not a, you're not a Christian. And I'm like, even the Catholics don't say that. Like, that's pretty extreme. It's just so crazy. Like, like where, like, okay, so where do they get this idea of the why succession? Well, okay, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but like, where do they get the idea of why succession is necessary? As if someone needs to succeed someone else. So then they can keep adding the proper rules of the religion. Like, how do they get that? I mean, I get that it's a logical thought to think, okay, well, we need a successor. But, but where do they actually get it, like, scripturally? Because scripturally, Jesus says, look, it is finished. This is it. You don't need anything else. Like, put that in, put that in stone and just do that stuff, the very stuff, without having a successor. Like, it's not a successor-type religion. So how in the world do they actually base it? Or is, have people just peddled this so long that who has the proper succession that no one's actually thought, oh, we don't need any succession. Like, where do they well, no. get this idea you, from? You and can't I, understand I scripture without the, the church. That's the problem, so, Nate. You so, can't so, understand it without the church. So oh, so, so, so apostolic succession came about um, in, in the middle of the late first century, middle of the second century. Because we're having wackos coming up and teach random things, so so the, the the idea that the church fathers came up with was that how do we find out who is authorized to teach? Because again, the church is not formalized where the, you know, you're passing out credentials. The church is not formalized where they're keeping a registry of names of official teachers. So the way that the church, and this is again, this is not a biblical standard. It's the way that the church decided to be able to weed out heretics and, and to exclude heretics from teaching was that you had to have a succession that you learn from one of the disciples so that you were able to trace back your, your teaching back to the disciples and that was a way of saying hey you know billy's teaching and billy's teaching some wacko stuff and he goes well who's who's your succession well i don't know my succession comes to pontius Pilate. yeah you're not you're, yeah, you're not you're, yeah, not that's, you're not that's you're not officially silly. teach yeah that's silly anyway because how many times have like you know the the like gosh we were talking about the same stuff as yesterday like how often has the the uh, successor uh, gone out of line from the, the their mentor so it's, like, even, so it's like even succession doesn't guarantee someone is or should be you know 
is yeah. teaching the proper stuff. Like, you know, I brought up the, I brought up the it's example still, yesterday I mean, of like uh, Obi Wan and uh, Anakin and Obi Wan. Like, you know, still, he was his successor. How'd that go? It's still limiting the number. But I'm saying, I'm saying when if you have 20 people teaching, and only five of them can prove the session, you're still limiting the number of people who are teaching, and you're limiting the number of nonsense that's being said. So instead of 20 okay. people saying nonsense, you have five people saying nonsense. Okay, well that's an answer. I mean, yeah, I agree. It's not biblical, but yeah, that's that's an answer, I guess. Um, Udo, <laughs> back to you. Yeah, I'm sorry, but. You said many things which may be right, but um, it still didn't answer the question I t said about uh, Shepherd of Hermes and First Clement. The question is still: On which basis do you um, do you accept the seven twenty-seven books of the New Testament while and reject the Shepherd of Hermes, the First Clement, which are which in about with this, yeah. On which basis uh, well, my spirit does not, my spirit does not bear witness the holy spirit leading my conscience by, uh, yeah. you know by well, god does not bear witness that's cuz they asked me this the question the other day and i, I and i asked them cuz the, you know that's that's cuz what they what they so desperately need cuz they're going to say well cuz their whole angle is coming from tradition and uh, the, the thing i said well okay, because what they need is that we need the successors of the successors because they, they are in desperation of chains. This is this is where they're because the further that they can get away from the apostles, the stronger they can get into whatever they're doing. So I asked, I said, well, one is first Clement uh, claiming to be scripture, which he's not, which I think he can be historically interesting or, you know, helpful. But the other issue I said, is there any evidence to uh, show that the first century church, or even if you want to say that the um, second century, that first Clement was even received as scripture? Uh, that quite usually that question from and maybe I'm sure they maybe there's a, a, a response they could shoot that, but so far they haven't had one. Well, no, there's no evidence. So if there's no evidence that the, the early church you know, until all the later nonsense start happening, receive it as such, why should I? Well, but I would disagree at that point. First, um, in early church, even in the second century, there were church fathers who uh, recognized the shepherd of Hermas and the first Clement as uh, canonical. And unanimously? Yeah, as far as I know, they quote them as scriptures. No, I'm talking about like all of them. Sorry? I'm talking about like it was unanimous, because that may be something I'm not aware of. Um, but, but also quoting them doesn't mean I, that it means no, that I don't think I, No, no, they were not unanimous, but there are also disputed books of the New Testament. For example, the book of uh, Revelation or the letter of Hebrews, um, th these books were also um, disputed um, in the early church. When, when you say early church, and early, I guess as far as... I, I mean the pre-Nicene church. Yeah, yeah, anti-Nicene, as far as the, I guess as far as dealing with the first the, uh, letter of First Clement, when you say early church fathers, can I mean that, that quote of the scripture, can you name the guys you're talking about? 
Um, I have to. I would have to look it up. Okay. Yeah, I've just made that. That maybe that'll help me see. see but I can you. But I can uh, you give you the evidence where you can see that even books uh, of the New Testament, which all Christians today consider as canonical, were disputed for the, like I said, the um, Book of Revelation and the Letter of Hebrews. Uh, if you read uh, in, if you read um, Origin, he um, also writes. Um, which books were unanimously um, acknowledged and uh, which scriptures were disputed. And but, you, but you know, origin is, um, and I guess you, there's, there's, there's working from the assumption that, you know, I, I take origin seriously. Okay. Do you consider Eusebius uh, of Caesarea seriously? It, it's, I think it's a strong. He says some good things, but it's it's a strong argument to be made that Eusebius was a government uh, puppet. So, so I, I, I again, I, I think, I think, I think we're missing a lot. I mean, we're, we're engaging in the question, but I think we're missing a lot. So, if if let's say the, let's say the church does have authority to. To decide what books are going to be in the New Testament, you know the Roman Church has authority. Does this does that mean that the Holy Spirit only worked on some men and not the rest of men? I mean, these are the Church Fathers. Does that mean that the Church Fathers just gave up on their, you know, on their, you know, well, you know, they already told me what the Bible is, so I can't, you know, I I have no opinion. Because we, again, we have the Church Fathers debating or arguing and, and proposing different canons. And if the church has authority, does that mean that these church fathers all of a sudden conceded to yep, but that's it. The Holy Spirit told me that they're right. Yeah, okay. You're, so I see your argument is also for the canonicity of uh, scriptures is also if the Holy Spirit um, tells you tells you personally um well that's not that's not my, my my argument is this this is my argument that that within history we have the church we have the church and i'm talking about the universal not talking about the physical visible church i'm talking about the universal church the mystical body um uh, doing the best they can to, to to you know to teach scripture but at the end the holy spirit prevails and no matter what the, what the plight of the church is and how they want to fight back and forth, the Holy Spirit prevails, and the church just gives in to what the Holy Spirit already decided that should be scripture. Okay, say the when the church was t talking about the canon, it was led by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so 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 was it wasn't, it wasn't the church. It wasn't the church but having authority, it was the Holy Spirit having authority. Yeah, but that's the same argument the Catholics and Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox uh, take. Us, take uh, no, no, say, no, no, actually it's not because they're saying that they have the authority. Yeah, because they say we only we are the church and all the others are heretics. Okay, so, so did the Holy Spirit decide or did they decide? They believe that they decided under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the Holy Spirit decided. I agree. Yeah. 
No. <laughs> yeah, but no. they believe that even the Holy Spirit, for example, decided that uh, Apocrypha are um, the word of God. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, though, that either they call that, I mean, either even though they, they clearly didn't decide that the Holy Spirit decided the Apocrypha is canon to the same level, because, I mean, you know, even they're the ones that named it Deuterocanonical, so they call it second canon. So even if they want to decide the Holy Spirit said that's cool, um, I guess it's not on par with the same level of the first canon. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a first and second canon. There would just be the canon. So thought, even they even they make the distinction themselves. I, I thought the Deuterocanonical, calling, it, call, call, uh, the Duke calling that was a Protestant thing. No, I could no, be wrong on who named it. No, no. But, no the, the, oh, the I'm Protestant right. Great. The Apocrypha. Apocrypha is a Protestant thing. Uh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. But, but here's, here's the problem, Nate. Here's the problem. So, so the Eastern Church and the Western Church have two different Old Testament canons. Which canon was decided at, um, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to put a date down. Which canon was decided? So in other words, which church got it right? So does that mean that, again, this is showing you that, again, that the church doesn't have universal authority because we have two different Old Testament canons within the churches that are claiming to have the authority to decide this. I'm not saying that the Church of God has authority or the, you know, the Presbyterian Church or the Baptist Church. We're saying that we as churches are giving into what the Spirit decided that should be the Old Testament and should be the New Testament. What I'm gonna do, I'm I'm gonna sell this. I'm gonna just go ahead and make me a cannon before lunch today, and I'm just gonna have <laughs> questions for everybody. You're welcome, Harold. Did you want to say anything about this? Maybe not. Which Sorry, one? I can't talk right now, uh, but I, I'll be uh, I'll be available in a minute. Uh, I'm trying to clip my dog's toenails. Let me know if this is too loud. Oh, this dog is such a weenie. Stop squirming. I stopped squirming. <clears throat> so, uh, what else have we got? Uh, I'm going to have to yeah. leave for a minute. <laughs> Go on. Uh, can, can I continue? Sure. Yeah, the next uh, point is... Um, for this, I have to. Oh no, I don't play this game with, with questions because I'm I'm not Catholic and Orthodox. Um, I, I'm just asking these things and uh, want to talk with you about it because we are confront we are confronted um, very much with this uh, stuff. Yeah. Um, the next point is about solo scriptura. Because uh, yesterday we came to the point that it does, doesn't need to be found in the Bible. But at that point, Catholics and Eastern Orthodox would say it needs to be found in the Bible because Sola Scriptura uh, makes the claim that uh, the scripture is the only infallible rule of faith and that all doctrines must be found in it. And so, so if Sola Scriptura is nowhere uh, found in the Bible, it's unbiblical. And so it so then it's also an unbiblical doctrine. Yeah. 
Do you understand the point? So, so how how do you understand solar scriptura? Well, my my under, I have the my understanding of a solar scriptura is that the Bible is the the highest and the only infallible um, authority. Yeah, that's my un understanding of Sola Scriptura, and that's also the classical Protestant um, understanding of Sola Scriptura. So, um, I think the I think the simplest answer would be, the Bible alone is the source of doctrine. Just... Yeah, you know, there's a difference between um, sola scriptura, the classical Protestant understanding, and solo scriptura, some modern understanding, because the classical understanding of sola scriptura isn't that uh, outside of the Bible there is no authority. The classical of understanding of sola scriptura is that there is an outside, outside of the Bible, there, there is an authority, but the Bible is the, only, is the highest and the only infallible authority so so any other authority has to subject to the bible okay so um can, can someone because i don't have a bible in english with me uh, can someone go to hebrew i'm sorry acts chapter 20 verse 29 and 30. acts 20. yeah 29 and 30. So just, just to lay down some context, Paul is about, Paul is, Paul knows it's about the end of his career. Paul knows he's about to die soon or he's about to be, something's going to happen. I, I don't need to die. Something's about to happen. So he's leaving the brothers and he gives, he gives, he gives these brothers instruction. Um, if you want to read the full context, you can start at 17, but that's a lot of reading. But I want you to focus on what verse 29 and 30 says. Can someone read those? I thought he had it and was going to do it. Okay, fine, I'll do it. Um, all right, Hebrews what? Uh, no, Acts, Acts chapter 20. Or, Acts, sorry. Udo, you got to mute again. We hear you breathing. Acts 20? Yes. What verse? 29 and 30. All right, 29 and 30. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Okay, so 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 these false teachers are coming from where? From inside the church, right? Mm -hmm. Well, among you. Okay, now look at verse thirty-two. Thirty-two. Yeah. And now I commend you to God and to the Word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are time. sanctified. I commend and, you. To, I commend you to God and tradition. <laughs> I commend you to God and to the Word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. God and the magistrate. 
<laughs> so in other words, in his in, in the absence of the apostle, the apostle says that in his absence, he's an apostle. He's not saying I can mention the bishops. Yeah, yeah, at this point, Catholics and Orthodox would argue that here Paul speaks to the church leaders, not to the laymen. Okay, even, even if he's teaching to the church leaders, he's not saying look to tradition. Look to where? Where, where are these church leaders are supposed to look at? To the word of God. Not tradition. Right? And, and, and you know, I think that's pretty clear, right? Let's go to let's let's go to Second Peter, Second Peter chapter three, verse two. Well, basically, Second um, Peter chapter one, verse sixteen. I'm sorry, sixteen to twenty-one. Second Peter. Second Peter, what chapter? Chapter 1, verse 16, all the way to 21. Hmm. <clears throat> For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when we received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day draws and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So, so let's, let's go back to where it says, we have the prophetic word. We, we have the flimsy prophetic word, the kind of prophetic word, the prophetic word that needs interpretation, or, or, or it needs, it needs not, I'm not interpretation, the prophetic word that needs uh, infallible declaration. It says the prophetic word that's what? Um, more fully confirmed. Fully confirmed. Okay, well, yeah. So some translations will say the for sure. The for sure or the secure prophetic word. So in other words, even Peter himself, now let's go to chapter 3 of that same book, or the same letter, verse 2. Uh, that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Read it one more time. I think you Wait, second, second Peter chapter three, verse two. Yeah, there you go. That's yeah. You read it too fast for me. Okay, I'll just start with verse one. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by the way of the reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. What translation are you reading? Uh, ESV. Here, let me get another one. Okay. 
Let me. How about NIV? Is NIV good? NIV is fine. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. So, in other words, so as uh, even as Peter, Peter, when Peter is uh, Peter is talking to the church, he's saying, "I want you to 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 know or to learn or to the words of the holy prophets." Right, and the second the second sentence there is, uh, what does it remember? Think. What does it say? Right after. Uh, do, do this. Verse two again. Yeah, verse two. That you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Yeah, remember the commandments. Remember. Yeah. This. So he's not saying go to tradition. Go, you know, go to the, you know. He's saying, you have the word. Paul has said this, and Peter has said this. And the reason I'm choosing these two individuals is because, again, these are the supposedly the founders after Jesus, the founders of the Roman Catholic Church. And I just can't get away from what Jesus himself actually says about men's tradition. So, like every, I, I mean, if it's not a red flag, like I don't get it. One thing. It, 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 Udo, man, you got you got to like we hear your breathing. <laughs> it's killing me. Um, just just me. You're not talking, please. But whenever Jesus is talking to, he has some stuff about tradition and, and Colossians and some other stuff. But whenever people bring up these these big red flags, it's either like it it's hard to miss. Either you're gonna buy it hook, line, and sinker and just go with the flow, or I don't know if you've read the Bible you're going to get some red flag warnings. So it's like, you know, when people like Mormonism, right? Or Jehovah's Witness, or especially Mormonism. When they say, uh, you know, when the Bible says, don't uh, don't add anything else to this book. Um, and then what does Mormonism do? It specifically adds another testament. It adds another book. Um, so it's like these these things, if you're paying attention, if you're like, you know, wise as serpents, yet innocent, innocent as doves, you're going to see these things stick out like a sore thumb. So, um, you know, like Catholicism or I guess EO or whatever, like they don't just appeal to something under the radar. Uh, they don't just say, well, hey, you know, we just have uh, a couple extra thoughts and notes for you to consider here. They specifically use the same word that's condemned throughout other parts of the Bible, traditions of men. Like that's what they appeal to, tradition. So every time I just hear that word, it's just like, gosh, it's like, how do people not get this? So for example, Jesus says in Matthew 3 and 6, he answered them, and why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? And you can argue context, but let's keep going. Uh, there's one in Colossians that speaks directly to this, but in, before this in Jesus in Mark 7 says, you leave the commandment of God and hold on to the tradition of men. Like, does this just not stand out like a red flag? Like Jesus says, believe in me and you'll receive eternal life. Turn from your sin, repent, believe in me. I will give you eternal life. You must be born again. It's like, okay, Jesus, sure, that's a command from you, but, you know, let's hold on to these traditions of men, and we've got 2,000 years of it. The last thing is Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elements of spirit uh, of the world, not according to Christ. And I just think of all the, like, you know, church government, like the Catholic church government, it's exactly the same stuff as the world does with like successors and bureaucracy and councils. It's like you don't need a council of a bunch of fallible men 
Jesus already said everything that needs to be said. So like, I try to be polite, but man, I just want to lurch when someone talks about appealing to tradition. I'm like, congratulations. There's very few things in the Bible that you that you can't mess up, but you somehow manage to. So it takes a very special or deceived person to mess these things up, but you've managed. Okay. What do you think on that, Malik? Is that am I, am I crazy? I mean, you know, you could argue context from from what Jesus says, but he's talking about the the Pharisees and the traditions of you know of Judaism. But still, that's like a hand in glove to what Catholics are doing in the name of Christianity or anyone else that wants to appeal to tradition. To tradition, they're doing the same fallible man-made things. And just like Colossians, like that's not Jew, Jewish Judaism specific. He's talking about empty philosophies and vain stuff. Like, how much of that do we see? It's like, you know, arguing over like which canonical council, which church father, just scrap all of that nonsense. Or not, I don't know. Maybe we've converted Malik to Catholicism. Oh, no, um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think all tradition is mad. I think tradition that contradicts scripture is mad. Um, I, I, and so, yeah, and this is why we, you know, we should, we should look at scripture and scripture is the guide. And I, I strongly believe that the disciples before their departure, and I'm talking about, they understood that they're going to be departing from this world. Um, they, they, they told the church to look at the word of God, look at what they teach. Paul went as far as saying, and if someone gives you another teaching, Apart from what I have given you, call him what? Anathema. Hey, Nick. Uh, yo. Yeah. You know, and, there's and, a church. I forgot which church farther it is, but you know, there's one of them. He said, um, he said that women should be in sackcloth and ashes at all times because their mother Eve uh, is the is the cause of the fall of man. Well, I can I probably support one, that. Man. Yeah, but I, one day I'm going to pull that up for you. <laughs> right, Steph? They really should. I'm not against it. Are you saying that from your sackcloth and ash? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree, Malik. I mean, you know, we have a Christmas tradition. I mean, you know, we have different traditions. I mean, if someone wants to partake in a Passover Seder or something, I, I don't know. It's a little weird. Um, but, okay. So it's not like all traditions are bad. Um or, but, but I would say, not like if it's a tradition that contradicts scripture, of course it's bad. But if it's also like a seemingly nice tradition that just kind of goes side by side with scripture, yet complicates it, that's also bad. Because look what's happening. You just get so much, like, like so many layers piled on top of layers and layers and layers and layers. And like at worst, it's going to lead someone far off the path and astray. And at best, it's just unnecessary. So keep what's necessary for correct doctrine, for salvation, for eternal life. And then if there's any other tradition that doesn't contradict scripture, great. Set it super, super, super far away from what actually matters for eternal life. And then go have like a Seder dinner or, you know, do whatever, whatever tradition that you want to do. But if it's like, no, no, this tradition, you know, even though the Bible doesn't say this, we we know this, or this is our tradition that you have to follow, just like Scripture. Scrap it. No, you don't. Serendipity, good morning. 
Are you running to your mic? Three, two, one. Did you talk, talk to me? Uh, no, but I guess I will. Uh, yeah, Udo, that's, that's I guess, all we have to say on the subject of tradition. Um, if you've gathered, we are not fans. <laughs> but Udo, if, you're, if you don't know if you should be Catholic or, or evangelical, just split the middle. Be Lutheran. <laughs> and you already stretched a Deutsch, so you already, you already got it. The path of least resistance. Yeah, I'm German. I'm from Germany. Yeah, just follow the path of least resistance. So the people that say you have to have a bunch of humans decide that you're saved and cool with God, um, as if God can't decide that for himself. Um, so if you need a bunch of humans to like tell you to take courses, go through catechism, like do all this other man-made traditions, literally. <laughs> man-made traditions. Um, or just read the Bible where Jesus says, repent, believe the gospel, ask me for eternal life. I'll give it freely to anyone who wants it. Um, even if you didn't attend class for six months. Hey, Beckle, morning. It Adam. can't be that easy, Nate. Are you kidding me? It's that easy to be saved and be a Christian? What? Man, that's the thing. It's like, it's so simple. A child can understand it, but like, you know, adults will like intellectualize their way out of it because it's like, you know, there's something in us that like, it's like some sick need that we, we have to like work hard to achieve something. So it's like, it's, it's counterintuitive because we don't work hard. We submit to God, um, you know, and God does the work in us. So the result is we are a changed person. We're a changed life, but it comes from God as a gift freely, not from our works. So it's like, people are like, how can it be that easy? So like the younger and more innocent minded you are, you're just like, yes, something deep in my spirit, like confirms this. I know this is right. Almost like it was putting you by a creator. Um, but then other people are like, no, I have to work for it. I have to work to attain it. You're going to work and never get anything. You know, Nate, that's why I, again, when, whenever I get into the discussion of Calvinism, Arminianism, for example, I often tell people that all it is, is just a philosophical conclusion based off of your interpretation of certain passages. It is not needed to, uh, to be in right standing with God, okay? Um, when a person becomes a, a, a believer and they never heard of this controversy between Calvinism and Arminian, um, you know, them taking either side is not what's going to save, you know, it's, it's not what determines them going to be saved. You know, you're saved because of the grace of God, because of your through faith in Jesus Christ, not because you took a particular, you know, because you became a Calvinist or a non-Calvinist. You know I'm ready. So, and that's why I say, you know, to the to the person who's never heard of this issue before, they have a very simplistic belief in Jesus Christ. Bam! They're saved. You know? I you mean, don't have to understand these it, big words and all this other stuff, these isms and everything. You know? I mean, doesn't I the Bible say, um, doesn't the Bible say that we're saved by grace through faith? It's, it's not what we know. It's not who we know. I mean, to a point, it's who we know because we got to know Jesus. But like, just like he said, none of these, you know, elaborate explanations, none of these, you know, ways to go around it, to, you know, try to figure it out, stuff like that. All you got to do is believe accept and ask 
Uh, hey, Candace. to forgive you of your sins. What's up, Candace? Are you speaking in Candace? Candace, what's happening? Can you fix your mic, Veckle? There's a lot of popping and crackles from you. It's probably away from my mic. It's a lot of feedback. Uh, Am I breaking well, up? Candace, you're not breaking up. It's just really like loud feedback around around you. Oh, hey, Nate. I'm um, sorry. Like, I'm 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 in a place where there's a lot of noises, but um, no, I'm just joining because in case I need to say 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 something. Sure, sure. Well, Udo, do you have more, uh, no. more questions? Or, uh, I or, haven't caught the I haven't caught the 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 earlier parts, but um, I'm I, I'm just joining because um, I can testify to everyone here that Jesus Christ is definitely the Son of Living God, and um, we we as we as Christians all have uh oh you're cutting out responsibilities okay so it's not me make, make sure that we truly hear from Jesus right see that that's that was my point earlier that uh, if I were to go up to average Joe in the street and say, uh, hey, what do you believe? And they, they, they tell me that they believe in Jesus Christ. He died on the cross, rose from the grave, and it's not of works. And within the one being called God, there coexist three persons. You know, they can have the most simplistic kindergartenish understanding of all that stuff. Uh, to me, um, their salvific status, that's between them and God. But temporally, I'm going to assume that they're a believer because they believe in the very basic. So me as a Calvinist, I'm not going to ask him, well, well, one other thing, do you read John Calvin's writings? Do you, <laughs> do you believe in predestination? How hard, how vividly do you fight against these synergists that are running around here these days? You know, you're not going to hear me say anything like that, you know. Well, believing what you said definitely doesn't get you saved. Uh, uh, that's how that works. About those leeches. <laughs> Are they doing their job? No, I need some. Oh, you, you sound awful. You like trash, man. Oh my gosh. Hey, Steph. Yes. Oh. What? Adam was going to say something and then he got oh. a call. Have you ever heard of COVID? I've had COVID like four times. <laughs> I don't even test anymore. Like this could be COVID. I would never know. Well, it could be COVID. Ain't no doubt about it. The way you feeling. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I had COVID twice while. Could be just the flu. Yeah, could be the flu. Could be anything. You know, guys, if you don't have children. And you're thinking about it. Just this is a nice window into your future. These kids are germ yeah. factories. They pick up everything they possibly can. If someone in their classroom has boogers, they're going to seek that person out and consume as many of the boogers as they possibly can. And then right. you are in this situation. Are you saying buggers? Buggers. Goobers. Buggers and boogers. 
That's very true. Walking, walking bags of germs. Touch everything. Yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty disgusting. So don't hey, touch that. Don't yeah, put that in your mouth. <laughs> what? Yeah, I was, I was in Matt Yester's room uh, just a, uh, a few minutes ago, and he sounded like he's got a cold too. He sounded like he's got a stuffy nose. I didn't get around to asking him. But. Can someone invite Singh? I saw he raised his hand. I invited him. It didn't work for me, though. I'll get him. Invite. There you go, Saint. You don't have to work for your salvation. <laughs> <laughs> you better work for it. I'm lazy. Why would I want to? Ugh. Too lazy. <laughs> That's somebody else doing. He's still raising <laughs> his hand. I can't seem to get him up here. I'm accepting the invite. Or I mean accepting his there you are. Hey Saint. Good morning. Good morning. What's up? Hello. Good morning. Would you say that there's any hope for what's the hope? What should non believers hope in? I would say philosophically, believers can't, uh, non-believers can't hope in in something that they don't believe exists. So, but they can have hope in other things. This is neutral territory. Yeah. Just a reminder, neutral. No What's man. What's going on? Is, is it a Calvary fight? Yeah, we're we're getting a little close to that. Oh. Yeah, that's right, what Saint Beloved does to me all the time. So. We can keep this. It's okay. It's all right. All right. I'm never disrespectful. Like I'm just asking questions. If this, if you don't want to do that, that's yeah, fine. it's kind of like um, you know when the non-believer is threatened with hell. Um, you know, if unless they're being moved by the Holy Spirit, the non-believer is going to hear this doctrine of hell, and they're going to be like, say things like, "Oh, well, I'll just if this hell exists, I'll just go be with my friends in hell because I know almost every one of them are going to be there." Or they'll that's just where all the cool his... people are. Yeah, that's where all the cool people are. Right, right. You know, or the, I've heard one person say, well, if hell exists, uh, well, you know, the body has the power to uh, get accustomed to the pain that it's undergoing over a period of time. So I'll eventually get over it. You know, I've heard that too. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, there's the, well, hell doesn't exist. So it, it exists for you, but it doesn't exist for me. So I'm not going. You know, so you, you can't really. The threat is still there, but it's not valid to the non-believer. They, they, they're not going to be intimidated. They're not going to be motivated to move to believe because they don't believe it. They have to, they have to be shown it by some well, external force. I would, I would have told that guy that Matt was talking to for hours, you know, hey, God, God loves you. He wants you to follow him. He what he wants of everybody is for us to love him and to love others. That's it. And God teaches us how to do those things. But when I hear you guys talk to him, you don't leave him with any hope. It's like, well, God didn't pick you, so I'm yeah. just going to rub your nose. And See, now what you're doing is this. a straw man, and you've never heard me preach that way. Um, if you've heard anyone say that, then they, you're probably talking about a hyper-Calvinist who's already in error. But uh, no Calvinist uh, says that. 
or someone who has the best intent, but they've talked to someone for hours and hours and are just over it. So maybe they're having a human moment. You know, sometimes like after I talk to people, I'm like, guys, this is not difficult. Like, just just admit you understand it. Like, you don't even have to believe it. I almost don't care if you do believe it. Like, I kind of want you to not believe it just in this conversation. But like, (laughs) at least tell me you can understand it. And then they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, man, maybe Calvinism is right. The thing is with me, the weight is off the weight is the weight is off my shoulders uh whenever I'm out there in the streets handing out gospel tracts and preaching the gospel. I tell them that God died for sinners. Um uh, you know, I, I reiterate you what John three sixteen says. You lied to him. No. Wait, wait, then well, God Bob, didn't die for sinners? All right. No, it's Bob. We can't deal with his Unitarian stuff uh, today oh, anymore. Oh, it's Unitarian. Oh, okay. We've, we've given him a long leash. Yeah, so, so I got I got to jump in here. I got to jump in here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, everybody. Hello. Um, hey, Michael. Yeah, so um, I, I agree almost without caveat to everything that uh, Veckel has said. Um, it is true, as I think the only atheist on stage right now. Um, yeah, um... Threatening me with hell is like saying I'm going to get coal in my stocking from Santa Claus. Um, oh, you are. I, uh, yeah, cool. Um, I am, uh, yeah, I am not afraid of what I am convinced is imaginary. He's a hundred thousand percent right on that. Um, I do think it's interesting. A couple of things that he said. Oh, I've heard atheists say, you know, that oh, you know, blah 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 blah. Uh, other things. Um, so when I did believe, um. I did everything I could to try to make sure that I wasn't going to hell because the concept of hell is absolutely blood curdlingly terrifying. Um, I don't think it's something you would be able to get over. I think that that's, I think Vecco whoever told you that, I think I I would just look at them and say that's bollocks. Um, But uh, yeah, I, I know I am no longer fearful of that. Because I'm convinced now that it's made up. Uh, other than that, Michael, I agree with pretty much everything you uh, everything you said. So I, I, I would also. <clears throat> I didn't hear what you said there, Steph. I have a question for Michael. You oh, said fire. that you sound terrible. What is wrong with you? She's using I her last waiting. available breath on you, yeah. maybe in this question. That's, oh my God. That could be true. <laughs> I'm on the. That's the end for me. Lord is calling me home. You know. Okay. Uh, what was my question? Oh yeah, Michael. Um, <clears throat> you said, <laughs> shut up. You said that when you believed, you did everything you could to not go to hell. Could you elaborate on that sentence? <laughs> shut up, Nate. Yeah, sure. So, um, a lot of the things that um, that all you guys have talked about in the past, you know, about you know trying to do the right thing trying to, you know, follow uh, biblical teachings, trying to um, do what I believed uh, God wanted me to do. That's what I kind of meant. Basically, um, it's another way to put it, walking the walk as a, as you, a Christian. Um, when I, you believe that that's what kept you out of hell? I believe that's okay. No, 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 that's not entirely. But that was a byproduct of what I, that, I think that was a byproduct of it. But when I was a when I was a Christian, I was a Trinitarian. I believe that I was saved by grace through faith alone. Um, my mom was Catholic, but my um, but I didn't kind of adhere to those teachings. I didn't 
I wasn't able to reconcile the things that she believed biblically. So we kind of a little bit of a divergence there. Um, but I think a byproduct of what I believed led me to do those other things, which I also believed were important, if that makes sense. Who's playing Adam, Christmas music? Are you listening to Christmas music? Are you serious right now? Wow. Let's all judge him. You know, Michael, Sorry, were you, were you, it's, it's a local whenever, radio station. Whenever, oh, um, are you playing Christmas music? Whenever people talk about, um, you know, like, I don't need fear of hell or anything like that. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you weren't just like trying to believe in God really, really hard because you were scared of hell, I, I assume. Tell me in a minute. But, I mean, for me, it's like, yeah, like, you know, I, I believe hell is real, and yeah, I believe it sucks, and I don't want to go there. But my motivation for being a Christian is not just like, oh, my gosh, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. It's more like I, I've, like, connected with this God, and it's like a happy thing for me to be like, oh, thank you for another day, Lord. Oh, thank you for saving me, Lord. Thank you for letting me hang out with you for eternity. Like, it's, it's like a happy thing. Like, hell, I, I pretty much never think about hell. Um, unless someone brings it up here in these conversations, because it's like, well, it's out of sight, out of mind. Like, I, I don't need to think about it. And I, I don't, I just like wake up and, you know, I'm thankful God's given me, you know, life, liberty, another day, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, even, even the bad stuff that comes along with it. I, I, I don't know. Were you like that too, Michael? I mean, you probably weren't a Christian for all those years, just thinking of how you could avoid hell. Um, I assume. No, 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 but it was, no, but it was a, again, it was another one of the byproducts, right? Like, because I, I believed I was doing, because I believed I was doing the right things. Um, that made me, that convinced me that because of that, I also didn't have to worry about hell, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, so no, it's not like I was, it's not like I was thinking about it all the time, but it was like, but I think every once in a while, I think mostly, I think mostly, just trying to think back because it's been a long time, but I think mostly when I did think about it, it was when I was maybe reflecting before, uh, before I believed or um, in looking at other people and wondering about them, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Like I, 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 what saint i was just curious like when with your walk with god how many things did you so like you started reading doing what it says how many how many different things were you like wow this is this is great like what he commands it like how to think how to do like thinking like be anxious about nothing Think upon heavenly things and then things you started practicing that the book commands that you were like, wow, this is, I wish I was doing this my whole life. Like, can you give some examples of anything that you were, while you were a believer, you were like, wow, this, this God really is good. Uh, that's a deep question that I'd have to give some thought on because it's been decades since I felt that way. Um, so maybe I'm just actually, I'm scribbling what you just asked me down. Maybe ask me again in a day or so after I have a chance to think about it. Cause that's a, that's a, that's pretty deep. Like I'd have to, I'd have to think about that. 
I need to get into the practice of saying things like that more often. Thank you, Michael, for saying that. I need I need to get into practice of doing that more often. Say, hey, well, yeah, like, I, let me let, let me, me get back to you as a perfectly valid answer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with there's a yeah. There's a lot of people, Vekal, and I hear people say this all the time. Like there are. Um, I, do, I haven't encountered it. Actually, I don't think I've ever, I've been fortunate enough to never encounter it in this room, Nate. Um, but there are many uh, believers or call themselves believers that have a real problem. Like, like it's almost like a, like a mental block where I don't know is not an okay answer, which is really interesting because I've met lots of people who think they know everything. But I've never met anyone who actually does. So, I mean, it, it's the most honest thing you can say, especially when you don't know something. And, I mean, we can't limit we can't limit that just to believers. We got to say people because there's plenty on the other side. Exactly. Oh no, yeah, yeah, no, no. And if I said that, it, it, like, yes, no, absolutely, you are correct. People, I'll 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 throw that caveat in myself. People, <laughs> not just believers. Sure. Uh, Random, what's up? How art thou? Pretty solid. Uh, Steph, I hope you uh, feel better at some point soon. And, you know. Um, I just wanted to uh, confirm most of Michael's words as uh, an yeah. also, as also an atheist. Um, similarly, telling me I'm going to hell is not really significant. Yeah, and I mean, it's almost like, I, I mean... You know, it's just the other side of the coin, right? So it's like if you, if, well, first of all, I mean, if they're going to believe something, having them believe in hell is not accomplishing your goal. It's like, well, okay, if you if you tell them the bad news before you give them the good news, they're going to believe in a hell, but that doesn't mean they're going to believe in your God. Um, so it's like, you know, just just tell them the like if you could only make one point, is it that hell's real, and then that's your one point, so you can't tell them how to avoid it, or is if you only have one point. Tell them about the Jesus who can give you eternal life, and if they're if they're going to believe anything, you know, make it be that point. Uh, and if not, they're probably not going to believe your hell speech anyway. Um, right. And if it's through emotional manipulation, well, that's you know that's also not what we want either. That's that's like not valid to like you know emotionally pull someone to where they're like, I don't know, playing on their fears or brainwashing themselves. Um, that's also not the correct way to the answer. See, now God in his sovereignty could use that as a means to bring someone to the sun. I mean, I've heard a testimony of a guy who said he became a Christian, and guess how I became a Christian? He said, and I said, what? He says, uh, it was through the hardcore fire and brimstone, you're going to hell type of preaching. I like, wow, because I don't know many people whose testimonies is, is like that, you know? But I, I, again, I mean, God in his sovereignty, he could, he could bring anybody in any fashion he wants to, to the sun, so. Oh, yeah, anything could work. I mean, you know, even people that have, like, you know, near-death experiences and, you know, forgetting all the science. But, like, you know, they, right. are convinced in, they are convinced in their own mind. So it's like, you know, some people are scared into heaven because they're like, I had a near-death experience and I went to hell and it was awful and ah, now I know God's real. Um, which, again, right. like, <laughs> their reason for being a Christian isn't because of hell. It's because they, they had this vision or death, death experience of hell, which led them to the conclusion that God is real. Um, and there's other people that are like, yes, I was taken to heaven in my near-death experience, and I saw how you know God is real and it's awesome and glorious and all that other stuff. Now I'm a Christian. So I mean, you know, you hear testimonies of all kinds of things, and you know, Paul even talks about you know, like the Bible talks about overcoming the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony. 
and you think, well, if you just tell your testimony, like that's a, that's a pretty powerful thing. Why should anyone just believe your story and your vantage point of events that happened? Uh, you know, given what we know about eyewitness testimony or personal experience and stuff like that. And it's like, well, logically, like, you know, according to our standards of reason and stuff like that, you shouldn't like that would be one of the weakest cases. But then why do so many? Why are so many convinced of like people's personal testimonies? And I believe there's a spiritual component to it that it's not just words some random person is saying, like if someone wanted to give their testimony about what happened, you know, maybe some un, pretty hard to believe experience that was not religiously related, I, we would call those people like maybe fringe or conspiracy theorist, or if they don't have evidence to back it up. But then a lot of times when people, you know, do it from a religious point and they're like, look, and this is what happened and this is what happened. And this is how I know God's real. and This is why I'm a Christian. There's like something like, I don't know, on a deeper level, um, that's kind of like confirming this stuff as they're hearing it or not, or people just put a, you know, maybe like our two atheist friends on stage are just like, yeah, I'm, I'm not, if you can't show it, you don't know it <laughs> uh, type thing. Well, there's that to an extent, but there's also, I mean, you don't have any power to control what convinces you. Agree. Right. Like it just, like it's going to, like, you know, you know, you know, X, Y, Z happens. Oh, I am convinced. Um, X, Y, Z happens. I am no longer convinced. Right. Like, like that's what the, like, that's what happened to me. Right. I was at a stage where I was convinced it was real. And then over a period of time, there was a, a, a lot of stuff that broke that down to the point where I had to look at myself and say, I'm not convinced this stuff is real anymore, but, but, but we don't have any power over that. I don't know uh, if I completely uh, agree. Uh, oh. Uh, are you gonna follow that up, or just was uh oh all we get? Oh, okay. He, I, I thought I thought someone else was saying. So. Um, yeah, no, I don't think I completely agree, Michael. Uh, just in the sense that I think that there is a a little amount of power, a little bit of power, um, for how you are convinced, specifically by um, what you accept as kind of your baseline standard for accepting things in general. Um, I think that there there is the ability to kind of change one's mind about that. And I think that that would be domino effect into what could convince you, at least in in spiritual matters, I guess would be a way of saying it. Okay, so you're saying that if, well, okay, yeah, I, okay, that's, uh, yeah, so if you, yeah, to nuance the answer, yeah, I think I agree with you. Like, so, yes, if there are, if you are prepared to accept, it's like that, it's like that old saying, you know, it's like um, that, you know, that's sometimes used as a, you know, as a cliche, um, you know, against uh, atheists where they say, you know, um, I forget the scientist who said, you know, who, you know, that said we can't allow a supernatural foot in the door when it comes to, to science. Because and what's what's often said about that is, oh, you know, you're not even going to you're even going to allow for the possibility, which is of course not the case. But what they're saying is, is, is that when it comes to the realm of you know of using empirical measures, we can't allow supernatural stuff. So, but if you are, so I think I agree with you. If you are going to um, allow for the possibility of certain things that will open your that will open your stance a little bit. So yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And, and and just just to put it more clear, unless somebody else wants to go, um, for me specifically, and, and I use myself as, as an example, um, when I believed, um, it, I started from my conclusion. Like I started from it's definitely true, um, with no specific support to that. And then I realized that that's what I was doing. And I'm like, wait, 
maybe starting from your conclusion isn't the most uh, intellectually honest way of going about it. Uh, and so I basically kind of changed my methodology of like what I, the essentially the, the, the epistemology, my, my, uh, my method of deciding what is and is not, or what I, what I accept. And then I reanalyzed things. And so I was convinced by different things at that point, I guess you could say. I think it requires, I mean, wow. you know, a fair amount of out of the box thinking because like, you know, this, this thing, at least, you know, Jesus and Christianity is e even the way it's presented in the Bible. It, it's so much not like the other things that, you know, how other philosophies or religions will be like, it's a series of progressions. And it's like, well, you start here and you walk down this path and you have time to like, you know, reach over and analyze all these little nuggets on the way to Nirvana or whatever. Um, but in Christianity, there's really not a lot of in between. So it's just like, no, like it's as simple as like flipping on like some like spiritual switch. So it's like nothing, 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 nothing. Boom. God conclusion. Oh my. So it's like, you, you don't have a lot of, there's not a lot of steps to like really analyze thing and stuff like that. Like if we're talking about like, you know, scripture authors, you know, testimony of the Bible, like all this other stuff, that's like peripheral to the actual kind of like binary, like, no God, no God, no God. Boom, God. Oh, well, I, I didn't have time to like analyze all the stuff because it's just there. Like it's been spiritually like come on some deep level revealed to me and I can't unreveal that unless, you know, you, you say however you got to your other conclusion that God's not real or, you know, however people do that. Um, maybe maybe over time that, that lens gets foggier and foggier until, you know, you arrive at your, you arrive at your newest conclusion, which is you don't believe anymore. Um, but yeah, I think trying, trying to like put the Christian God, you know, like the, the Jesus God of the Bible, um, under the same analytics that we would do for like most other walks of life, um, is kind of like a rough premise to start with because it's just not like the other things. Um, I am going to have to go here just a second, Steph, I'm sure you're dying. Um, so I'm not even going to ask. Yeah, thanks. But uh, Veco or anyone want to keep this thing going for a little bit to continue your conversation? I'm here for you, brother. <laughs> Actually, I do have to yeah. get going. But well, yeah, you guys want to say a couple of quick final thoughts? Uh, Random, I think you were saying something. I thought oh. you were. Yes. Um, I, it, it seemed anyway. Sorry, I'm distracted. Um, by by your basically what you were saying that that's one of the reasons why I really struggled because I realized that I didn't really have an epist I think I'm using epistemology, right? I didn't really have an epistemological path to concluding that God exists. Um, and, and that really bothered me because it was that situation of just like, well, I just accepted it. Like I, I just said, yes, absolutely. That is correct. Without any sort of like, to me, justified path to, to concluding. I mean, the only thing I would say is if someone's just like, hey, do you know God? Like, if it came from a person, I would probably have a hard time. Like, if I, I mean, if I didn't have my personal, you know, experiences of my, my life and all that stuff, uh, if someone was just shouting at me, you know God's real, you're denying it, you know God's real. I'm like, well, I'm not going to believe it just because you tell me. Um, so, like, if nothing would have ever, like, clicked somewhere inside of me, I, I'd probably be on your side. But it's like, you know, this thing happens, so it's like, you know, you don't need a lot of evidence when the evidence is like, you know, this like discernment that you're just like, huh, I just intrinsically know this. I'm like aware of this now. Um, so it's like, 
well, what evidence did you use to, you know, arrive at your conclusion? None. It was just like the conclusion was like thrust in my face in a way I cannot ignore. Like it's just there. I'd be denying myself to um, say it wasn't. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if someone's just like, hey, you know, God's real, right? And nothing else happened. I'd be like, well, why should I believe that? Um, anyway. Random, random. Are you saying, I, I, I think I heard you correctly. Are you saying you went from being a presuppositionalist to an atheist? I uh, I di was not probably somewhat very close to that. I was not very aware of presuppositionalism and that kind of apologetics, so I couldn't say definitely yes, um, okay. but something along those lines for sure. Yeah, that would be a first. I've I've never heard anyone go from like kind of you know Bonson Van Til to atheist. Um, so <laughs> that would have been a first. See, you should be presuppositionalist, and then uh, you'd you'd wouldn't be an atheist. <laughs> If only I, I guess I, I guess I could say Nate. I guess I could say I tried it and it didn't work out. Try before you buy. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Always try before you buy. Never buy shoes online. Never buy shoes online. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. I know. Why do people do that? I was just making a joke. I didn't know people actually do that. Oh yeah. Tons of people do it, and I, I most recently discovered this one. My neighbor's uh, kid came over to play with my kids for a while and left their Birkenstocks um, in the middle of my living room, which I didn't know. Uh, so while they were like, you know, playing games and stuff, apparently my my dog uh, became possessed and ate oh, all no. of them, like completely shredded them. So uh, all I hear is, "Oh, the dog ate my shoes!" I'm like, "Are they bad?" And they're like, "They're destroyed!" And I'm like, "Okay, they're overacting." So I'm like, okay, well, we'll go home and whatever. Um, so then the dad calls. He's like, hey, uh, so, you know, your dog, uh, your dog destroyed my kid's sandals. Uh, so what are you going to do about that? I'm like, is it bad? What'd they do? He sent me a picture, absolutely shredded. And then when I, like, turned around and I went to my living room, there was, like, a pile of blue dust, like, <laughs> where his teeth had just, like, ground the shoes into nothing. And it had a metal belt buckle. We never found it. Anyway, so... He's like, uh, you gonna you gonna pay for these? I'm like, uh, he's like, I'm like, really? He's like, well, it's your dog. I'm like, your kid came to my house. Uh, anyway, so I'm like, fine. So I'm like, look, I will pay you for the stupid Birkenstocks, um, and everyone is responsible for their own stuff from now on. Sound good? I'm like, I'm not gonna be responsible if your kid leaves stuff in the middle of my dog that everyone knows is gonna eat stuff. I don't know. I don't know if that was the best Christian answer. Maybe I should have just like prostrated myself and been like, take all my money. I will empty my silver and gold to you. But that hit me a little bit wrong. Oh uh, yeah, I definitely would have been mode for the shoes. That would have, I would have felt super bad about that. Turn the other cheek, Nate. Turn the other cheek. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, but I mean like here, you want me to write you a check that's going to bounce? <laughs> Some some of us have to order shoes online because they don't carry um, men's shoes in a size uh, kids. <laughs> it just kind of irritated me, right? Because like, I don't know these are, these are. I think these people like like worship their child like to an unhealthy level. So it's like, dude, for the price of these stupid shoes that your kid's gonna destroy anyway on their own accord. Like, I could have bought my kid like six pairs of shoes. Like, we get, like, prison slippers from Walmart. 
because they, their feet are growing like a mile a minute. So it's like every time we get them new shoes in like two weeks, they're like, they don't fit anymore. They don't fit anymore. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, we are not spending money like every two weeks on shoes. Yeah, I think I, I think I agree with you on that. When my daughter was very young, it was like, it's like, I, you know, need new shoes. Okay, what's ten bucks? Um, be, you know, and and it's hard. Like, and that didn't last very long. Like, once she got to a, a maybe like about five or so, um, I wanted to just make sure she had you know good quality shoes to walk in for her feet. But um, yeah, the, I don't understand Birkenstocks. I've tried them. They are not. My wife loves them. I find them like like torture. Like that would be hell for me. <laughs> be walking around in Birkenstocks all the time. That would be hell. That that's my hell. So that's what will happen to you. Repent or be assigned Birkenstocks. <clears throat> anyway, guys, I got a 1030. Be afraid, Michael. Oh, I missed that <laughs> random. What was that? I said Birkenstocks. Be afraid, Michael. Yeah, yeah. be afraid. Be, be very afraid. All right, guys, I got a meeting I got to get to. See you. All right, everyone. We'll see you later. Have an awesome day. Take care. And if you're my neighbors listening to this, uh, sorry, your kid's great. <laughs> All right. Take care.